0: Coming up in this episode, some of that guy comments say, well, it's just really a freelance consultant. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what that's a exactly fractional what it is. CTO yeah. is. Exactly. But it's just the word just freelance like, consulting is so broad and generic. We're right. just trying to make it easier. for people.
1: Like we're in a climate right now where your employees of your business are very unlikely to tell you what you need to hear. Because if your yeah. business is struggling, they're not going to want to put themselves on the chopping block. Whereas people like you and I, we don't give a shit right? We'll yeah. find another, if, if you don't like what you hear and you get rid of us and you suck us, we'll find another gig. It's not the end of the world. You you need to have a certain amount of focus to get any
0: one thing done. And if you have 10 things that are equal priority, that doesn't mean you even do 10% of 10 things. It really just means you do nothing. The Founders Unplugged Podcast, hosted by Greg McCallum. preseason special with technical advisor and fractional
1: CTO Adrian Ward. Yeah, yeah. So we're... we're catching up because of the new thing that we're we're teaming up on we've partnered on and offering I
0: had two bookings
1: yeah already had uh, two people come in for to book a pro bono session with us which was pretty cool um so i guess yeah we want to talk about it to i guess explain our thought process behind it right like what what was it that attracted you to the idea initially of working together to do like a a joint pro bono session
0: uh, that's aside from adjusting. my wonderful
1: face, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what convinced me to do it. You said you should do this, and I thought oh, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, well, I guess um, you know we we talked about this a little bit last time, but I keep finding myself talking to people and saying, like, you need to speak to a commercial advisor. You know, I'm I'm having a sort of kind of have calibratory—that's a word—calibrating conversations with people with founders. Who you know have ideas, or you know, and they're in various stages of those ideas. Some of these people have gone already, and you know, engaged with developers, hired developers, had things built that just didn't really match what they they really were looking for. And others are just in that sort of ideation phase. They've mapped it all out, and they've created a you know beautiful design of every step of how their app's going to look. And you know, they can they can outline the UX. Um, perfectly, but they don't really know whether there's a market fit for that. They haven't really found a way of like, well, who are your customers going to be? What do they think about this? What features do they actually value? Um, Is there a level of validation in that what you're proposing will actually solve a problem? Um, And because my approach with these people often is like, no, no, let's not go and build something. No, I'm not going to build what you've asked me to do because that's not what I do. I I can, I can builds for people, but um, I I don't just, I'm not just taking a set of requirements and I'm trying to help people be successful because I want to be part of wins basically i'm one thing i have in my head is like i know i'm not trying to make a you know a couple of hundred bucks from you now i want to make a million from you in a few years yeah. you know is kind of where my mentality is because and because so... you're making hundreds of millions <laughs> like <laughs> <tenfold>. yeah <laughs> right exactly yeah not because i've scammed you out of all your money and taken a million but yeah because the, yeah a small slice of my pie from that would, would you know obviously a million is a big number right and it's just more of a a, a token amount to say but um yeah yeah I keep finding myself anyway putting putting people through to you they've not come to me for that reason they've come to me um, from a technology perspective, but I felt like there's a lot of collabor uh, calibration to reality that needs to be done with people, mm. and so I passed yeah. them to you more regularly and then we had the chat and I think you had talked about how you know you're often saying to people um you need to go find the tech guy now who can, all oh, we'll go, <laughs> um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who can go and uh, sort of help you build out and shape an MVP. And then I guess, yeah, to me, it made perfect sense then when you suggested that as an idea that we collaborate on this, that, yeah, like why, why not? Like it, it's, um, it, I think it solidifies that message a little bit more as well, mm-hmm. rather than hearing sort of a different, either slightly different version of the story or very different other version of the story from different professionals and so yeah i thought it would be a, a cool thing to try out
1: yeah and you're right like i, I definitely ha- have had the same sort of thing but on the other side of the fence where um and i think we, we spoke about this before where i talked about the sort of disconnect that there is often between a lot of you know uh, consultants and advisors and and and, and so on and, you know as someone who wants to just start a business, they've got an idea, they speak to people online, and it's all very isolated, you know, this advice, and very what what frustrates me about that is that actually the conversation especially on the tech piece side of things is directly related to the discussion around the commercialization of the product right like right. so like you were talking about there like building an mvp have they got you know done some product market uh you know evaluation have they have they spoke to people and so on like all of that commercial piece that i talk about like you need to have someone there from my perspective in in some of these discussions with, with a tech background like yourself to be able to say well okay in that case we can we can do this we can build that like actually it really affects the build significantly obviously yeah. like in the same reasons why you would you know quite often pass them on to me before speaking to you but in sometimes in some cases I find that actually having those conversations together and we're, I guess we're going to find out would be these, with these more ones coming up but but that, that actually that it can it can really simplify the overall plan and this is the bigger thing for me is is how over complicated and, and overwhelming I think sometimes the idea of starting a business can be when, mm. especially you look online and it's like, oh, well, you need to have this plan. You need to have this plan. You need to have this plan. And yes, there's a lot of things to consider. But actually, when you have two people who, is, who, who are on the same page, who understand the tech and the commercial side, they can just say, all you got to do is this first, actually. You know, let, let's just do this first. And because there's a synergy there, it, it it makes it a bit more black and white. I feel like that's that's where I really want to get to with this. It's just making people feel more comfortable with taking that first step, because they, they know that there are two people who have got their back. They, they've got the, the fundamentals covered, you know, of, of commercial how to take something to market or how to to build a community or how to to validate their idea or get feedback or whatever, and how to implement that into a product in a meaningful way, at a cost in a cost effective way too. Like, and that's that's sort of the angle that I was coming from from it. I think I may have express that better to you the first time we spoke <laughs> <laughs> no no <I> think <laughs> it's the it's second time around but uh, i think yeah, it, it gives just... people
0: a more of a um, tangible first step um yeah. you know when you've had that sort of two sides to the coin and i think what it probably does is narrows down your realistic first steps mm-hmm. to take in, you know in a very simplistic sense That could just be what is the absolute minimum version of this, which could just be like surveying, provide some value maybe, but sort of surveying your users um, and do that in a very simplistic technology way and start to add to what you know about this product, what you know about what the market is uh, and start to just learn more. There's so many unknowns uh, Mm. in, in this process. Like you literally don't know anything. And I'm always surprised by people's determination to focus so much on like an app um as part of the building of a business you know i'm a tech guy right that's what i'm doing for people but i'm really really surprised that i get people come to me who have like no tech backgrounds very limited tech experience um but not only do they want to build an app they've gone and spoken to like 10 different people reached out to developers and agencies everywhere and just sort of hit them again with this like set of requirements with this user journey that they see how it happened they've gone to all this effort I had very recently i'll be careful of what i say but they work in an industry uh, where they perceive there is a great opportunity to use ai um, to make people's lives easier in the fulfillment of their job they have a complex job that um requires a lot of stored up knowledge, but that knowledge is all available out there. Just it's just not very easily to Google. It's not, it's, you're not gonna get it from Chat GPT. But I was just I was shocked by the amount of effort they'd gone to to go and speak to 10 different tech people, and they hadn't at any point gone and spoken to their peers, gone and spoken mm-hmm. to other people in the industry, just drawing some on a piece of paper and said, Well, how would this help you? What would you is say this what you want? yeah right and you know and this is where i did refer those individuals to you as well because i said look you know this is actually going to cost you a lot of money this could cost you maybe a hundred thousand when you really think about not just the tech side of it the training of models the gathering the information the people you'll need to train those models then your marketing side of it as well you could be talking about 100 uh, 100k some cost Mm. have you even thought about what you would need to charge users in order to make that profitable as Mm. it's not you know we think about netflix people will only pay seven eight nine ten bucks a month for a product because they have netflix as a reference point but you can't make any money at that price point unless you have a million customers and so how long are you willing to lose another 100k a year or more to fill out your idea and you can see the sort of shock in people's faces and i'm like this isn't even my job to tell you about this you know i should just be sat here going yeah okay i'll take your money um, but again, it's it's not not really what I want to do in this moment. And it's so not again, like it's how you want to operate. Opinion.
1: It's like yeah, it's like we talked about. Neither of us want to operate in that sort of slightly grey ethical area of just like, oh, that's your idea. Okay, yeah, well, we'll do it. You know, like uh, we want to work. Yeah, give give the advice that we can we can sleep soundly on at the end of the day. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, that, that I think that, make that a million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's that's the that's the balance though. Um, is 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 I suppose giving advice in a way that um, that doesn't also sort of make uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't doesn't necessarily shit on people's ideas basically <laughs> too much, like you know. Th- th- but but the app thing is a really good example of the amount of people that I speak to. They're like, oh yeah, they envisage it being an app and they want it to be an app. Like there's there's a few companies out there, or a few individuals, or business ideas, or whatever you want to say that I've spoke to out there over the years, where you know there are some things that just need to be Given the industry that they're in, uh, the, the speciality or whatever, it needs to skip the MVP stage, right? It needs to go <laughs> to, to to that sort of level. But ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you know, whatever you're thinking, it can be a website first. You know, it could be a it could be a job form first. It could be a fucking Excel spreadsheet first. Like, there's a lot of things it can be before it needs to be that. Because like you said, you just need to prove that people, like more than anything else, you need to prove that people actually want something. Like that, the, the the people you were speaking about um, just a moment ago that you passed on over to me, you know, a good bit of advice I gave, well, I hope it was a good bit of advice I gave there, was to talk about, funnily enough, I, I used the Netflix example as well. And I said, you know, why is it that you pay for, for your Netflix? Um, do you feel that, you know, how much do you pay? You know, like 15 quid or whatever a month. Okay. Do you feel you get 15 pounds worth of value every month from that? Uh, more. So Exactly. Like it needs to be a minimum of about five times work, uh, the value that you you're you're, you're spending, really, for justifying mm-hmm. people to, to to give you their money. And so, if it's not that, then don't even think about it, right? So, yeah. like you said, if it's gonna spend, if you get, it's gonna cost you a hundred k to build the bloody thing, then. Yeah, how are you going to justify charging people ten, you know, five times that that, you know? So, and sure. Netflix don't even make any bloody money anyway, so they're not really a good example.
0: Oh, so. right, and that's it. <laughs> there, there are on
1: this sort of type of business
0: that are that are making money on the idea that they'll make more money in the future, and right. it's this sort of this tech bubble of investment over the last ten years has been about them. And Amazon didn't make any money for, for years and years. Yeah. Uber, um, Airbnb, you know, I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. And they're not they're not the apps to base yourself on, uh, really. But you know, there's there's a few other things that I think people don't realise about why that's an important step to go through. This sort of iterative, take some steps forward and learn about it. Um, and I think it's largely because again of that inexperience of the tech world. And I, I come from a data engineering background, and so I think what's what's useful about that world is that. If you're wrong, you are proven wrong very, very quickly. Mm. You know, if you build things that do not serve the purpose that they were intended for, they do not meet your customers' needs. And again, your customers don't know what they like actually need. They have some ideas of what they want. Your job to you know decipher that in the middle. But it's a very instantaneous feedback loop like when you're working with you know thousands of data sets and millions of records. It's tangible what you can get wrong. But when you approach a, a situation like that, you try and start on the most fundamental basic levels that you can You really try and build from the ground up and that can be as simple in a data engineering context would be wh- what are the customers that we're talking about i'm doing this yeah. for a bank they have lots of different customers on lots of different Accounts, situations you know income brackets or products or whatever that might be and that's actually a, an amazingly difficult task for a lot of organizations to actually you know put a circle around who are we actually talking about here and when mm-hmm. you then look at those the, that set of customers you can then say oh well actually their needs already by just taking this subset I have a realization that their needs are actually quite different and, mm-hmm. and maybe require different solutions and You're essentially playing this game of trying to discover what you need to know. And that's Mm. why the iterative approach works, because you think that you um, want to build an app that does X, Y, Z, but it's such a high level view. There are, for every sort of user experience decision you make, there are probably 10 different consequences of that that you haven't thought about. Hmm. And that makes building applications and building software very expensive if you build them or build something first and have to walk all the way back to accommodate for all those things you learned yeah.
1: afterwards. Right. And so you're trying to help. Which is the, tradi- the, the, the old school way of doing it.
0: Right. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That is how things used to be a lot more. And that can still be the case. You know, I worked on a lot of projects where we would have to build something where it was a new product, you know, and it was so there was no data and you hmm. are being much more are uh, speculative and they were always the most difficult ones because always things would happen that you didn't expect to. So you would build this system this is going to happen. People would tell you, this is what you're going to get. It's going to look like this third party suppliers are, are telling you, yeah, you'll get this from us this day. And then they don't give it on that day. And it doesn't look like that. And your customers behave in a different way. And they press buttons in places that you'd never thought about. Um, And that is extremely, extremely costly, particularly when you've already gone and built the whole thing. It's like imagine building a mansion, you know, and Mm -hmm. then going in afterwards and doing your plumbing and doing your electrics. Yeah, like it's going to be really, really costly for you to have to rip down all those walls every time. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's better to think about, okay, let's put the foundations down. Now we've got the foundations down, like where are those walls going to go? And how should we do the electrics and the plumbing in conjunction with that? Um, rather than
1: just sort of drawing a house, you know, and going right, go yeah. ahead and build it. And that's exactly where this the commercial side of things comes in, right? You, you, it's, it's, and, and that's where that there's that meeting of the uh, of the two, uh, like I was talking about earlier, like that that have it makes sense for me that two people on both ends of that are able to sit down and and pl- plot that out with a founder or a set of founders um, mm-hmm. from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like there's, there's very few occasions where someone like if someone's building the new Amazon, like, you know, when he built Amazon, he probably you know had a very clear vision for what that was. No one had done that before, so yeah, you're mm-hmm. going to take a bit of bit of a gamble there, right? You're going to you're going to throw a bit more money at that. You're going to build something no one else has built, and you're going to go for it. And of course, it was. But it's what people forget about that is, although it was still a huge gamble and it was a, a huge push into a very specific direction, it was still only selling books, right? Yeah. So there was still an iterative process then. He always, Bezos always wanted to make it what it is now. He always had that vision. And and this is just one of many examples you can look at of these big um, you know, uh these big um uh what, what's the word I'm looking for? Disruptive uh advancements in 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 commerce or tech. But he, he always had that vision. But he, even he knew that yes, it's a huge gamble to create an online bookstore essentially had never been done before just like look at you know looking at netflix doing you know dvd delivery never been done before right but the point is they, that's where they started they didn't they didn't go straight to building netflix for streaming like no fucking yeah. way they you know amazon didn't go straight to oh let's have a place where anyone can sell anything and we're gonna you know oh, we'll set up um distribution centers all over the country and you know do next day delivery like that can't happen that there has yeah. to be a process to get there. So even the big players, yes, they took bigger risks, and yes, they they went out and built these these pretty expensive platforms from the off. But not many other businesses, but at least the ones I'm really speaking to, fit that sort of mold. Where they need to be bold and and first to the punch and and all that kind of thing. There's very few that fit that. It's and if they are. Mad. Yeah, and if they are, you recognise them, and you say, okay, yeah, you need to spend a couple hundred grand on this, and let's get going. And you know, if you've got the money, boy, yeah. get investors, yeah, pay, exactly. you know, whatever. Yeah, you have to have the happen.
0: people with the right backing. You know, the, the the investors, the people with the money, and also the the people who are playing a game that is more or less, okay, I have ten million in the bank, and I'm going to chuck that at twenty different projects, and you know, the hope is that one or two of those projects a hundred x. That's mm. the game they're playing the people who who do those sorts of things are in that game and most of the people most people just aren't in that game <laughs> of period right and but they they're using it as as a benchmark they use the netflix the amazon stories without taking into context that we were also going through this huge technological shift in the world where there was all these open available options and like cryptocurrency sort of is and has and will go through that as, as an example because you know the web 3 concept um basically means well every good idea that out that is out there on the internet right now could be turned into a web 3 idea and everyone could make loads of money on it. and, and so you are starting to get especially with ai starting to get into these kind of territories again where there might be possible for you know huge um companies like the Netflix the Amazons to grow and and to completely disrupt an industry but they're probably still not going to do it to your point about Amazon selling books they're still not going to achieve that with this grandiose old plan and and hitting it you know all straight on the head and Mm -hmm. I think part of it is also about you learn about what opportunities you have as you go through that process like in banking they have this phrase term called cross product holdings um which is about basically how many different products your customers have um because you know, for banks mostly for savings accounts and uh current accounts the banks are losing money you know on, on everybody everything mm-hmm. lost leading products and so for those industries it's all about well, how do we get you a credit card how do we get you a loan uh, how do we sell you insurance as well and i think that there's a lot of people who miss yeah, i missed the possibility of okay you think you've got an industry that there's a problem in you think you can solve that so back to the example i mentioned before they uh, also had an idea they said oh well it's actually really difficult for people in our profession when we travel to these different places we need help we need other professionals in that industry but there's just no way to find it you have to just You know, go on to like Craigslist, if you like, or go on to Fiverr and, you know, go on to these different types of communities or find agencies in that city. And it's a real nightmare. Um, And I was like, like, you shouldn't be thinking about this AI idea right now. Like, Mm -hmm. focus on, build a community, build a platform that can make people's lives easier because you see a problem and it's Mm going to be really easy to do that cheaply. And you don't even need to monetize it so much because guess what? they would be your customer base of yep. the product that you have. You know, and, and, and often what I say to people is like, what is the minimum amount value you can add? Like and maybe as we need to change that MVP uh, mentality, it's like minimum value add product that you can mm-hmm. give to people to actually find who your customers are, to engage with them, to get them on your mailing list, to be able to talk to them and get their feedback and then sell to them afterwards. Because let's be mm-hmm. real, marketing is a huge, huge thing here. If you don't have marketing if you're not spending money on marketing the likelihood that you're going to be uh, going to sell your product dropped dramatically it can be yeah. done without marketing for sure but look at the barbie movie they spent more money on
1: advertising than they did making the film mm. yeah and 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 community a community-led go-to-market approach is one that i am a massive massive adv- advocate for in software like it's something i've been saying for many, many years, and it's good to see that it's now coming to fruition, more and more, more companies or startups are doing it. But it's been borrowed from the gaming industry effectively, um, you know, in this idea of, you know, building in public almost, you know, sort of releasing an alpha, then a beta, and, and bringing people in, you know, closed, and then open and getting their feedback and improving and iterating, and making the user base not only sort of baked in before you even start selling it, so there's a, an audience there ready to hand over their money for something, but they're even more likely to hand over their money for something that they've been part of building, they've been part of that process, and it's a it's a, a it's a genius way of doing something, um, and it tackles that exact problem you mentioned of how incredibly expensive marketing can be, and it's just not possible for most founders to be able to that, to, to free up any budget on marketing, and and so it and, and and likewise on sales because of you know sales and marketing two sides of the same coin hugely expensive very difficult to find competent people in both areas i would say because there's a lot of people in sales and marketing that just unfortunately aren't as competent as they say they are i know that having hired hundreds in both right um but that's not necessarily their fault it's because of quite often you know there's a lot of new ones, depending on the products and depending on the industry. And and every year or every month, it seems, you know, the approach changes. So, so you're, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice, I think, in, in this day and age if you're not building in that way because of actually starting a company like that creates a momentum and a network effect in your own community that sets you up to to essentially you know if you have a community of let's say ten thousand people all, all ready to buy your product and they've helped build it over the course of two years you you put any mediocre sales or marketing person in the post with that opportunity and it's it's you know you're setting them up to win very very easily as well as your company so it's a no-brainer for me and it's a very simple thing to do uh, i i give the advice very often about when it comes to social media, as well as like, there's a, there's a few things I always say. Like one is you don't need an app. <laughs> Two is you don't need to use social media, right? You, you just don't. It's a huge time sink. If you're going to use any social media, then use it to build a community. Don't, not to promote your product. It's a waste of time. You don't need to, you know, to have a, an Instagram account like Amazon or or Tesla, right? You're not that, you know? Um, instead, all of that time and energy that you would be placing in, in activity like that, which can be incredibly uh, an incredible time sink should be put into community building. Going on Reddit, finding people, you know, uh, offering free advice, you know, creating uh, content that's useful on on LinkedIn to to adopt people into your Slack group or or Discord or whatever. Like that is far more valuable than trying to come up with a brand before you've even launched. Or do you know what I mean? Like that those kinds of things. Right. Like, yeah, not always. There obviously again, there are some exceptions to that. Like obviously you know, like a great example, I spoke to a lady, I can't reveal too much about it, but she's yet to launch, but who's 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 absolutely, you know, skipped past the MVP stage. She's going into a very reg- a heavily regulated uh, um, industry that that wouldn't take anyone seriously unless, you know, the product was, you know, to a certain standard. And, and in that case, that's different. But, you know, she's going the route of, uh, you know, raising, you know, uh, tens of millions of of pounds of investment and building something to a very very high standard recruiting marketing experts branding experts experts. like that's a very different approach but that's not everyone you know very few people fit that that situation very few
0: exactly and i think we are probably you know aiming towards this you know solopreneur if you like and yeah. i don't just mean individuals on their own but this i guess that's more almost like a meme of, of the idea of you know joe blogs deciding to set up his own business now you know people are tired of the corporate world they're tired mm. of living a life where like they can't even say what they want to on social media or like mm. you know i have friends and ex-college people who are like yeah, well, i i can't even like like something you say on linkedin because it's going to show people that i liked it and like you used to work here and you don't work here and i'm worried that that will be perceived wrong i'm like wow mm. it's like we're in orwell's 1984 here and, and I i've think got i've got in trouble
1: i've got in trouble with previous employers because of what oh i have posted on linkedin and stuff it's it's ridiculous like absolutely yeah but it's um yeah you're right We we are I suppose our offering of kind of this this joint pro bono thing is, is it appeals more towards that those sort of individuals but I, it's worth pointing out again that what I said about Jeff Bezos you know creating an online bookshop like if someone was to come now with an equivalent idea which the majority of the ideas are they're not like these hugely disruptive things they're just like i want to create this and it serves a very niche market that's not to say that the commercial opportunities don't suddenly open up in future if they are able Mm -hmm. to create success in this one thing that they're creating and more often than not a lot of the conversations i have with people are you know we talk about stripping it back and going there but then saying but then i i like to end with there are there are things you can do here as well. You know, if you're able to hit this this and this, you know, target or whatever, over the next three five years, you you could. There's no reason you couldn't pivot into this direction or add this an additional service. Because mm-hmm. I think it's still worth as well, not just knocking people, you know, down for their expectations, but also to let them know that if you execute this one thing really fucking well, like once you have those foundations and that security then you can, you know, the world's your oyster. You can build on that. You can add additional services. You can can really, you know, build a a company that can be quite disruptive from there. But you need to sometimes strip back the idea first. And the biggest thing, and and this is something I forgot to mention earlier, the biggest thing for me about all of this is about people's uh, uh, health and emotional and financial well-being. That's what concerns me more than anything else when people get, you know, into the, like that mindset you said of, of being prepared sometimes to take out, you know, a huge amount of money or loans or get into debt in order to build something very expensive because they're working with an organization or, or advisors or whatever that, that don't have this same approach. And, or maybe don't, and that's not to say everyone does, but, you know, that we know that there are those out there that would just very happy to take the 10K and build it without any thought to the things we're talking about. And that terrifies me. Or they don't have someone around them that can just say it's a shit idea. Like that too, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah, that, for sure. And that that there is something
0: in the middle of it too. You know, there, there is there's always a middle ground from here. And I think certainly what I see on on the technical side of it, and this is a, a sort of echoing conversation I had in my my previous career, my previous life any life anyway. From you know teams just not delivering what what's mm. expected of them, and uh, there's this idea, you know, it's just hard to find bad developers. And really, what it comes down to is communication. comes down to how how you're articulating your idea, how you're putting the right framework in place, the approach you're taking. Um, And certainly what I've seen with talking to founders who have gone off and hired a dev, they found somebody on Fiverr, or they've, you know, gone to university and and got some students to help them. Um, It's actually quite complicated to be able to take an idea and to dissect that into a technical roadmap Mm -hmm. and to then set up a framework that enables developers to be successful for them to report on their findings for them to document what they're assuming in this process and this is a big thing you know assumptions assuming that something will be the case and then kind of forgetting you assumed that and then wondering why everything breaks or goes to shit afterwards when those assumptions are silently broken and i think this is a a huge huge pitfall certainly that i'm trying to help people in this space as well as okay well Maybe I'm not the person who's going to actually build the thing for you, but I can certainly help you manage the developers, manage their roadmap. Because, you know, if you don't have a tech background, I promise you, you don't know how to do this. Like you really have to be some kind of special person to have just figured out now how to get smart people with smart ideas who know and speak languages that you don't. Because every single time you try and challenge them on something, they're going to win that argument or they're going to shut up and like both of those things are really really bad like mm-hmm. i saw this earlier in the year with a company that was doing very very well earning 50 to sixty thousand a month um top line a mental health app basically um doing pretty well and the the ceo um, was determined to move from this paid model where the, the users were paying a fee per course uh, and that was a sliding scale the users could actually Change the amount they paid down to quite a low amount to a higher amount um and actually had no idea why where the customers are coming from or how they were really making money the whole system was a, a mess um and the ceo was determined they wanted a subscription model for one and i was like why why do you want to morph what you have which is working and earning you really good money and you don't even know why Why do you want to turn that into a subscription model in the first place like build something new sure try it out don't break this but also to that extent of like sort of the other extreme of it around like not listening they just wouldn't listen to their developer you could see it was a problem and in that meeting the developer called out like look i think we have a real problem here um that uh, our customer database is basically at risk there's some you know backups we haven't got some frameworks in place that just aren't in place. It's very manual. And if this goes wrong, this will be a huge problem for us. And, you know, we just may not even be able to recover it. And I saw the CEO basically belittle the developer, say, what language are you even talking? Talk English to me. You know, these kinds of things. Um, mm. And immediately afterwards, I suggested to the, the CEO, who was basically saying to me, the developer doesn't know how to develop. Uh, and I was saying, well, maybe we should look at communication. You know, how, how how you set tasks, how we agree on what's going to be delivered, what the risks are. She got very, very upset about that, about my suggestion that communication was a problem. Two or three weeks later, during an upgrade, they had that problem that the developer um, warned them about. And it was catastrophic. And they lost um, hundreds of customers, at least thousands of, of customers couldn't log in. Uh, and, I lost develop, and I bet that developer got blamed for it. Yeah, for sure. That's that that, that was followed up with further, like, saying it's just not up to it, it just can't do the job. And I was yeah. like, he's I the one who warned you about <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, and I spoke yeah. to him at length afterwards about the situation, and I tried to bridge that gap. And then that person was particularly rude to me, and so I was like, okay, you know, good luck. And yeah, then that happened, and, and I believe they may have even had to migrate to a different platform. Mm. Who have gone and partnered with some other company to get their content onto a different platform? I think they may have fired that developer. I don't know. Um, but yeah, real shame. And you know, the joke of it all, I, uh, I came into that whole thing because I saw they were doing it. And I said, well, you know, I don't have the technical skills to build what you're doing what you've built your app in um but you know i'm not really sure you need to worry about those technical skills so much and the app i could have built it in a no code i could have built the whole app whole app in a no code tool inside a week Mm -hmm. but they were like super focused on finding developers who could use this specific tool set and had this specific experience because that's what their current app was you know completely built in but it was hugely over engineered it was built by the founder and the founder's family, and then just kind of cobbled and moved on. And it's this kind of situation where that's why you talk to someone like me on the technical side, or why you might talk to someone like you on the commercial side, is that we have a, a breadth of experience that can point out things that you're not even thinking about that you're not going to get if you if you work with a two three year experience individual. They may have energy, they may be capable, they may be able to do all kinds of crazy things, but you also want to have some conversations, at least, with people who have seen a lot of different situations yeah. and and can understand the broader context. Um, because you, whenever you're running a project, a business, whatever it is, you're in the weeds, you're in the woods. You can't see beyond what's you you know what you are um, blinking into. Mm. And I think that hopefully what we're going to do here as well is um, not just for for founders. I don't know whether it could also be pitched at you know functioning businesses. Say, you know hey like maybe you could have a chat we could do some chats about what you're doing what your plans are what your ambitions what your problems even are um mm. and you know worst case scenario you come away from the situation uh with some different ideas and perspectives mm. uh, and i think is a yeah again that joined up element it as well though that Combination between a commercial mentality and and a technical mentality, I think, could be really powerful. Because individually they're important, but they they can be at odds with
1: each other. You know, they, mm. they can be things that that really conflict in some people's minds. And they, and they very often are like in, in functioning operational businesses that, that that's very often the case. And you know, but you know, at the end of the day, the technical aspect is the product it's what is, what is what is being sold to people. And, and, and the, the, the disconnect between those on the front line, usually selling, um, and the, the, the the board of directors and their perception of the their their commercial strategy and the product are you know a huge it's usually a massive chasm but you said something really interesting there about about communication like i am at a point now where as you know i'm about to to come out of stealth with my b2b saas platform and you know that's working with developers um you know putting together a very you know, strict protocol of ways of communicating and, you know, uh, uh, working on sprints and 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 drip feeding different features and, you know, testing and all of that sort of stuff. I would have not been comfortable. I'm glad I'm doing this now. And I hadn't started doing this, say, five years ago because of, you know, although I thought I, at that time probably I could have done it, I'm glad I didn't because it's all the experience in the last 10, 15 years, having worked in companies very closely with with. Uh, development teams and and you know working with de- you know engineering leaders and, and and all that sort of thing as a CCO and and as an advisor that has let me develop that skill set where I believe I can do it now and even now I'm still learning all the times of ways to optimize that communication and to improve it and and mistakes happen and miscommunication happens all the time mm-hmm. um, you know things get missed things go wrong things break and. You know, so so even after you know 10, 15 years of experience in in doing that, it's still a pro, it's still a struggle. And I don't know anyone that doesn't struggle with that because, like you said, communicating an idea to a technical team, especially if the the technical team is um, uh, uh, language isn't isn't first language isn't English as well, which is often the mm-hmm. case. And you're working with people distributed around the world, different time zones, different languages. That's that adds another layer of it too, which is very common. So. The fact that you provide that additional support to, like, you know, maybe following if anyone was to continue wanting to work with either one of us or both of us, following um, following a pro bono session, like that's that's a hugely valuable thing to be able to provide because of, yeah, getting getting something built is one thing, but or or, or just submitting the project to a team to get it built is one thing, um, but actually having the the, the know how and the knowledge of how to effectively project manage that is an entirely different thing. And, you know, let's face it, like developers and uh, pretty much anyone else speak very different languages, you know, forgetting the, the language barrier thing, like there's an entirely different language that's spoken in a lot of different teams. You know, s- sales is, is just the same. Marketing is just the same. Like communicating with different people who have very different specializations is a skill. And actually, one of the things that I, I pride myself on working with founders, which clearly you do, too, which is definitely why we're aligned in so many areas, is not just giving them the sort of roadmap on how to you know, make a successful business, but also how to improve on certain skills that are going to be vital for being a well-rounded leader um, and a founder more than anything else. And as a founder or a CEO um, in a company, your, your skill set has to be very broad, very, very broad. Yeah. Um, and you need to continuously be developing that skill set because as the business grows, so too does the demands on your skill set um, and sure. and the, fo- the focuses on your skill set. You know what you need at the beginning is very generalized, and as time goes on, it becomes very focused. You know, I know founders, for example, and CEOs who have got very bored after they've become successful, because actually they preferred it when they were gen- when they were generalists. And that they they had to be pulled in different directions, and then when they realised actually that the job of CEO is essentially to continuously manage fundraising and to sit in a <laughs> in, 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 you know, to, to sit in a boardroom every fucking day, they were like, "This is boring. I wa- I, I wanted to you know I like the hustle and bustle." of... You know, needing to make calls and get in touch with suppliers and manage this team, and you know what I mean, and speak to customers, and like that's what they wanted, so they would leave, sell their shares, and go and start another business and do it all over again. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah, that sounds quite fun in a lot of ways, but I think you're right. You kind of hit on a few things there with that that kind of pull to be a generalist and the desire to be in the thick of things, uh, being essential in a lot of ways, but then it can be problematic for people at a certain point because yeah. you know you do at a certain stage need some specialists to help you with things that you don't know about and i in my head i have this kind of example of like almost like a football club you know you could have a chairman owner of the football club who might be a wonderful businessman the most successful business person there could be you don't don't just sign 20 players and then be like right guys good luck we'll go win you know that's not what they do they they hire a a football manager a coach and even that football manager he has the goalkeeper coaches he has the defensive coaches offensive coaches in there working with those teams and and being like the the glue between all of those people and giving that specialist training and knowledge and that that is obviously not always the case and not always required early on in a startup but when you are getting to the point that you are hiring people to do things that you don't understand mm-hmm. you've got a problem like you've yeah. got a real real problem at that point um and that may work well for you to a certain extent but you know after a while it's it, it's definitely going to start costing you more money than mm-hmm. uh it, it uh than it saves you and, and again i think this is another thing for you and i in this we made the comment on your post today about like actually saving money here for people mm-hmm. is is a oh, huge, huge thing for really us. yes you yeah. know if, if we come to you and you're thinking about spending 10 grand on an mvp when we're like well actually you know what you could spend 500 bucks do some surveys or build this little simple thing you know use Airtable or whatever just to grab some details from people make a few phone calls and you're going to learn so much that's then going to be even applicable in say um being more specific about what you need to build that's going to save you money if you've got a team of developers um but you are not a technical person like I'm going to save you money on development time because we're going to get to the point that things are delivered more quickly because you see it all the time, particularly from non-technical leaders, but some technical leaders too, they don't, they don't realize that every time they come and say, I want this, that they're developers who are typically more literal people. You know, I'm I'm typecasting, but you know, it's it's true, right? Mm. Typically, more literal people, typically more reserved people, and I get this all the time. Used to have this all the time managing consultants. The people will be so stressed. I've been asked to do this, and then I've been asked to do that, and they want this doing, they want this requirement. It all seems unnecessary. And my first question is always, "Well, have you said any of that?" Well, no, no, because I'm and this and that. And it's like, yeah, you're scared, right? And and you're not going to say, you're not going to commit, you're not going to convey your fears. You're know, not going to say, hey, this is all too much. Uh, you just keep saying yes, and but actually it's your job is to say no. Mm. You know, A product manager or a CEO or whoever, it's their job to ask of people. And it is also their job to you know protect as well, for sure. But developers are not very good at that pushback. They're not very good at um, prioritization, especially if they haven't been given the structure to do so. And mm. what that means is if you've got too many conflicting priorities, you do nothing. You achieve nothing.
1: It's yeah. pretty obvious. I, hope you use that <laughs> I recently well. just re-watched that movie, so it's fresh in my mind.
0: <laughs> I think so. You no, know, definitely I see a post coming about this. Like, yeah. that is the big challenge. That is the big thing that I talked when I mentioned before around leaders communicating to tech, and it would mm. always be something I talk to consultants about, and it's getting quite cliched, is that your customers, your product owners, your the CEO, they know what they want. They don't know what they need. Right? And that's what that's what you pay someone like us to to come and do is yeah. to help you figure out. And that that isn't even like a hundred percent of what you need either. That's like mm. I just helped you figure out a little bit more of what you need than you had before. Like take that marginal gain and and mm. let's move on. You know I don't mean that in like I just help you get one percent and then walk out the door. But like it's not a magic wand. What we're doing mm. here isn't you know being a fractional CTO. This doesn't mean that you get a full-time CTO in, mm-hmm. in, in all the plus points of having somebody who actually is in your business, you know, actually is there for the long term. Um, you don't get all of that. No, you, you, there is a compromise for things for mm-hmm. people. And, you know, for me, that could be a simple, again, it, it's a language thing, it's helping people understand what game we're playing here. And for me, I see that in the phase of you've got some ideas, you've got startup ideas. I'm going to help you get from zero to one there, going to help you make that step. And then maybe I'm not the right guy. Maybe I'm then the yeah. guy to help you find your
1: actual CTO. Yeah. Maybe it's exactly I'm... the same approach I take. Exactly the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And because then then I am out. And then maybe down the line you you've got need some help with you're hiring a big engineering team and you need some people to, to help you get more hires to the door to help your actual cto do that because he's trying to be cto of the business and mm-hmm. i do think that is probably one of the slight challenges we we, we have when we use the term fractional cto and my partner said this to me it's like well the problem you have is that most of the people most of your potential target audience if you like they have a cto they don't need a fractional so not in their mind anyway and i think that is probably one of the downsides of of that term is that actually we're not necessarily always there to be your your actual cto it's metaphoric it's metaphoric of like you're bringing in somebody who's experienced and you have the luxury of only having to pay for their time by the hour or whatever it is rather Mm -hmm. than take the big salary because I come from a world where like, you work pretty hard all day, every day. You know, I did 60 hours a week for like most of that 15 year career. I don't care what people say about startups, man. Nobody knows how to work. Don't Nobody works that hard from what I've seen in the <laughs> startup world, not compared to working in banking. You should go work in banking for a year if you want to understand what hard work is like. Mm. You know, maybe you're a bit like a duck, you know, just like peddling you know, water underneath and not getting anywhere possibly, but it's bloody hard work. You don't need five days of my time. Like you really don't need five days of my time, and that's what that's what pushed me down this route in the end. I took a few you know projects and some contracts with companies that they just expectations of what would be done in in the hours were embarrassing, and I thought mm. I could I could have five of these jobs easily, um, and then they, <laughs> I guess that's what led me to to, to the fractional idea in the end. Mm. Yeah, what led yeah. you to what made you decide that that this was it the fractional thing for you?
1: Very similar, very, very similar. Um, it was this idea that on both ends of the scale so 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 the big one for me was kind of the, the, this idea that there are individuals out there um, at the very early stages who want to start a business and that that are overwhelmed by a the potential costs that's associated with starting a business or the the, the lack of time, um, you know, just feeling like there just is no possibility of doing it. And there not being really any advisors out there or or fractionals out there that are accessible because they're usually priced out, right? That they only work for, they only take contracts at a minimum of like, you know, 10K a, a month or whatever it might be. And and that made me a bit sick to the stomach. But then the other side of it was um, working with existing businesses, very similar to you, this idea that, yeah, there's so many organizations that that really, more often than not, can't see the forest for the trees. And that's at no fault of anyone in the organization, especially like you said, they usually have a revenue leader there. They might have a CRO, a CGO, a CCO already in post. It's more the case that, you know, sometimes these individuals have been in post for a very long time, maybe since the beginning, and it's very difficult for them to 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 think of I maybe how to pivot, how to make things leaner, um, how to introduce a new product line or or something like that, because they they've they're, they're very much stuck in in a, a very specific way of doing things. And it's and, and sometimes it takes what I found over the years doing consulting work was it, it takes a very unique approach and and yeah sort of rebranding that i guess or, or thinking more about doing it as a fractional cco as opposed to a management consultant seem to work because of all the reasons you just pointed out the same review it's 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 a little different people take it um it's a different approach and people seem to understand that for the most part as well so it's those key key things really but the the yeah, and, and like you said, there's no reason why sort of what we're offering from a pro bono level can't work for both, in my opinion. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Like you've rightly pointed out, because there are a lot of organisations right now who are, you know, somewhat successful but are, are operational but are struggling to adapt to certain changes, whether that's because they want to make internal changes to product or to, to to strategy, or because of external forces having an impact on them. And and I do think that it's very difficult, especially if everyone's nervous about losing their job. Right. This is another big yeah. thing. Like, like you, you just pointed out there about people wanting to say no or people not wanting to say no. Like we're in a climate right now where your employees of your business are very unlikely to tell you what you need to hear. Because if your yeah. business is struggling, they're not going to want to put themselves on the chopping block. Whereas people like you and I, we don't give a shit. Right, we'll find another. If if you don't like what you hear and you get rid of us and you sack us, we'll find another gig. It's not the end of the world. But we're going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. You know, back to that that that, that saying again. And 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 I think that that for a lot of the leaders I work with, and I, I'd imagine this is similar for you, that's refreshing. That's very refreshing. And it's and not just from from the, the perspective of the CEO or the board of directors, but even my counterpart. You know, my the CEO in post or the CRO or CEO in post, that's actually refreshing for them because I can sometimes be the conduit of which, you know, they can sort of talk, you know, through me sometimes and say the things that, they, that they've been maybe worried to say or, or scared to say because of their job might be objective. So I can take that hit for them sometimes or the hit for the sales team or the marketing team or the customer success team. I can speak their minds for them um without putting anyone under the you know under fire or or throwing them under the bus so so that that's really important for those sort of businesses but the big big one for me is as well as as well as all of that like i said is is at risk of repeating myself but i think it's really important is this idea i i just can't help but thinking that there is a there is an elon musk there is a fucking um uh jeff bezos sat somewhere in a you know in a in in their one-bedroom apartment, struggling to make ends meet, working you know sixty hours a week, you know, um, who has a fucking amazing business idea and they've just got no idea how to take that first step. And mm-hmm. for me, that that is soul crushing. And and all of the information that they see online tells them that they need to raise investment or that they they need to speak you know hire um, advisors that cost two three hundred pounds an hour. Like that's all they're seeing. And for me, it's like even if we can give them a free hour. That just gives them some very practical tips and advice and really importantly next steps like i never want to walk away from anything without a very clear sort of next couple of steps like be on your way you can do this this stuff you know then for me that's like a really powerful thing to be able to do you know there's t- something t- in there
0: about that That finding yeah. the finding the next elon is a bit you know it's kind of grandiose in some ways but it is that again that idea that there are lots of people who want who want to make sure that there are uh, entry barriers are removed to mm. to going out there and being successful. And you know we all like an underdog story. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's just for me. It's also like more refreshing to work with people with those levels of energy and and ideas for what they want to do, even if that can also be frustrating in different ways. You know, in when you're in a, a big corporate world there's so many million reasons why you can't do stuff which is nothing to do with the product or nothing to do with you know the business it's just like red tape politics all this sort of stuff and so i really like the idea of trying to be able to help people who um yeah kind of kind of need a bit of a help need, need a, yeah. a help up and um
1: you know obviously the, the there's the only people... so much of our time we can give away for
0: it but well, that's the... i think we can yeah. give away some
1: yeah exactly and and that's the idea and and you know of course there's a selfish reason to it too it it, it gets our names out there it gets us in front of people and, and hopefully they're successful and and you know yeah you know hopefully that pays dividends to some respect maybe even literally someday who knows that there, there is that element to it altruism is never for truly altruism's sake but 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 you know that you know that example I gave of like that guy just sat in like a one bed apartment, sort of somewhere, you know, struggling to make ends meet. Actually, more commonly, the 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 areas people, the situations people find themselves in, which are most constraining to the idea of being able to start their own business, are those that have a fairly well paying job, but they have a family. And they have people depending on them. And, you know, taking a risk just isn't an option. They can't just quit their job. And, you know, they might have some decent amount of savings that can last them six months, you know, or 12 months or something. But they, they're nervous and they don't want to do it because, of you know, they know that there's a very high chance they could fail. So it's that kind of stuff that actually is more often than not. To not uh, the the the, the, to the types of people I speak to on that end of the scale, not including the other end, which is more sort of um, you know speaking to to executive teams and so on, um, and and that's the one which is like well you've got you know they feel like there's a ticking clock element there, like if they don't do it now they're never going to do it, and they want to provide their family with a better life and and all that kind of stuff. I think if you're young and if you're single and you don't have a family, it's kind of like take all the fucking risks you want, right? You know, but like and I can totally under but I totally understand that that particular situation of, of, of you know maybe being in a relationship or being a homeowner or having a family and and just being fed up with the grind and wanting to provide your family with with a better life but but knowing how to navigate that especially around an existing job without them yeah. sometimes catching wind of what you're doing too like that there's yeah. a whole level of complexity there that people want advice on how to navigate which is very commonly what I what I help people with um so yeah that's an interesting one as well Sure, it's, yeah. it's a nice, um, a nice sort
0: of rounding off of, of the, the type of people that we 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 want to work with and want to um, want to help. Um, mm. And and I really do feel like they are, you know, markets that are untapped in some ways, and not just from the opportunity that we have, but just if we think about the history of building things um, outside of you know your or even like Elon Musk, web, you know, so it wasn't like he was poor. It wasn't like he didn't have you know great opportunities in terms of where he was and the people that he he was around so you know i really really believe that um if we're going to survive as a species if you like and it's a bit of a dramatic intro to that but (laughs) i really do believe that there's an element of um we have to maximize human creation we have to Mm -hmm. maximize um what individuals and collections of individuals with with aligned motivations um, can achieve mm. and quite importantly i think this this model this big corporate model um, where you're just an employee i think it's going to die i think it's certainly on its way out and i think that we have to move towards a mentality where almost you know every everybody is either their uh, self-employed contractor or everybody is getting a share of the business mm. you know and and i i see a much more gig economy future where people are bouncing in between a number of different contracts, or they're helping, they've got a startup of their own and they're helping their mate start up and they've got equity in it. I just think that is the, the natural avenue of sort of decentralization. We've got too centralized in so many ways, and our economies around the world and our governments, it's clear things are failing and they're failing at the point of, of centralization um and i see what we're doing here it's aligned to some of you know my more political and ideological leanings of of that decentralization you know how find a way to give more people opportunities to take their ideas forward how them the tools and the knowledge and the support to be able to do that without being like yeah you need 100 grand you yeah. Know? yeah um because there, there are ways you can there are ways you can make it happen uh without having that that big huge amount of money but i guess also for me as well that like there's really been a an element of of learning through all this that i want to do and i want to continue to do last year when i left the big corporate world um i found i really wanted to work in startups i had built a startup consultancy or helped build a startup consultancy that worked for big corporates so it was kind of i had some startup uh, experience and growing a team and all that, but not like a, a tech SaaS startup. Um, and I really found it difficult to find roles that, that certainly gave me the level of responsibility. I felt that my experience um, as a, as an engineer, as, as a leader in that space for a long time, warranted. And I had a lot of the pushback was about lack of startup experience, mm.
1: you know,
0: relatively. And what I started to do kind of accidentally fell into this somewhat was like, where well, I need to get more experience with the, the more kind of bleeding edge tools, with the tools that are being used on the ground in startups rather than the big corporation tools. I want more experience um, in the startup world in, in general. I can still help people. I can still mm. help people with their, their tech planning, with their ideas, with delivering an MVP, building something for them. Um, the motivation for me is also because I want to build my I do want to build my own. Thing. I, I want to be part of captain of my own ship in some way as well um, and to do that I need more experience I need more mm. knowledge I need to see a thousand startup ideas I want to see a thousand things go wrong I want to mm. see what's working for people um, and so there's that huge selfish element to me as well that mm. I'm I'm trying to make myself a more capable person um, by giving away my time to, yes. to speak to more people who are in various phases of this but ultimately are going to give me more data points to lean on to make myself more successful um, when when the time is right if you like for uh for for me to to have my own thing which is not that there is a a specific mentality right now otherwise maybe we should be talking about it but uh, (laughs) it's, it's not a specific idea there is a notion that you know I, I want to I want to build something great. I want to change the world in some way. I'm not sure exactly what that is. Mm. In the meantime, I'm going to go out there
1: and and try and, as I've always done in my career, to learn as much as I can about something.
0: Yeah, you know? and so that, that's, that's a big it, that... motivation, to do.
1: Yeah, and that's a great mindset to have, and one that I I absolutely share. That that yeah, every every individual I work with, every client I have, every contract I've ever had, there's, there's always something that can be learned from it. You know, it, it, you know, it goes back to what you said about being a robin in the situation. It means that yes, you are there as a supporting. Uh, party and yes you bring a, a you know a certain amount of experience with you that is obviously valuable to the people you're working with but you're always going to be taking something away from it so that you can bring it to the next person for sure there's there's one thing I, you you made me think of as well very briefly there just before we wrap it up um yeah as well, which is this idea of talking about skill sets and, and learning and all that sort of thing. And then you mentioned about sort of working in startups to gain that experience, that there have been a few occasions as well where I've said to, to certain people, not just, you know, your idea is shit, you know, don't bother, um, which, you know, it has happened once or twice, I'll be honest, like where I've, I've not said it like that, obviously. But, but you know, I, again, in, for, for being in the interest of people's well-being financially and, and and otherwise, like, you know, I couldn't in good conscience tell them to continue to pursue an idea that I. Believe could potentially ruin them, right? So there's there's a, there's almost an ethical responsibility I had at, at these certain points, so I've said that. But there's also been other situations where it's been very clear to me that the individual in front of me doesn't have what I believe is required in order to, to become an effective CEO. And so the advice has usually been one of two things. It's either been, this is a great idea, but put it on pause, find a job in a startup, get some experience and come back to it. Or it is actually, um, I'll step in as your fractional CEO, and you should look at hiring a CEO in future, and you should take another executive role, you know, as a co-founder with that person. And that's happened on a couple of occasions, not very often, but again, not worded as as black and white as that. But <laughs> but but through discovery and working with them over a period of time, realizing and then coming to realize that actually, you know, usually it's through their own recognition actually that they 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 don't they lack certain. Um, skill sets or the fortitudes or, or whatever in certain things that would enable them to lead the company for whatever reason now and to ever take a step back and go and gain experience in, a, in an existing organization or to actually just realize this I, i'm not the leader that i need for this to see this through and that i think takes a huge amount of 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 courage to to recognize mm-hmm. and a huge amount of self-reflection and then, yeah and there has been a couple of times like i said where i've i've acted as as, as almost like interim CEO, fractional CEO uh, instead of CCO CEO with the with, and then help them actually bring in a bring in a CEO later on um, done that a couple of times and it's a very interesting process. So yeah that's why I put yeah, it out I just imagine
0: as, as a closing point on that to wrap I guess to wrap that up maybe wrap up the podcast is just imagine how many great ideas that are out there with founders who have lots of passion, Lots of energy, lots of skill that don't go anywhere because of either that founder's fears or mm. because of that founder's inability to do some of the necessary steps, like be yeah. the CEO. When actually, and I think this is probably the case for a lot of like tech ideas, a lot of tech people that bump into um, that, you know, they have all the energy, they have the great ideas, they can go out and deliver on all this, they just don't have the skill set to be CEO. And mm. that either stops them because they know it and they know they don't have that skill set and they know there's all these things they don't want to do like i don't want to be a ceo i don't want to do this i want to be in all those board meetings mm. um hello and uh yeah they <laughs> they nope i lost you for a second i was mean, you just saying that they had to know they had to know that they don't have the skills, or they don't want to do the certain things that is required of for CEO, and it stops them doing anything, or they don't know it, and you know they just mm. don't make the progress, they don't get the traction on these what could be great ideas, mm. um, because they're just not aware of it. You know, they're yeah. not aware of that that fall that that, that uh, failing they have in themselves. And I do think that that is um, yeah where we can be the the fractionals that they they need, not the fractionals they want. Right. Um, is is a real opportunity for us there and for these people to make sure we don't leave stones unturned.
1: In terms and, of, and that's exactly value. why I tend to describe myself more these days as an advisor slash coach, because actually yeah. there's a coaching element there that I think is really important to being able to be successful as an advisor or a fractional, which is actually you know working with with uh, with a leader, uh, you know whatever team they are, especially a CEO. to to be as introspective as possible and to to create exercises and processes in working with them to continuously be introspective and to continuously be sort of um, somewhat, um, yeah, just reflective of the way that they are, the way they practice, especially for earlier stage founders. Um, because otherwise, the implementation of whatever is being recommended for me is null and void if they don't have the skill set in order to go and execute yeah. it or, or the motivation to execute it. So so that's why that's, that's more what I've very recently sort of started to describe myself more as an advisor, you know, commercial advisor slash coach uh, or executive coach rather than uh, actually moving away from the fractional term more and more. Just because if I feel like that feels like a more holistic approach to helping founders mm-hmm. specifically... Um, but, but I don't know, I could be wrong. I, I to and fro on that. <laughs> I think it, that is, It's the old, old cliche, um, you know,
0: teach a man to, to fish, you know, give him a man mm. fish for a day. And so I think we're in the business of also, you know, teaching people to fish a little bit. And I think that yeah. is, that is a, a, a useful point you've made there. And it is, it's coaching to an extent, mm. um, but it's not just coaching. It's not just like, oh, I need a coach to help me. And there's this, this distinction. Yeah. Um, between what a consultant does and what just a coach does, and I think it is this sort of almost operational balance between those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's 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 combining those things in an operational and action-based sense, um, rather than yeah. than just one yeah. or the other.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we need a new word for it really i think because it feels like that you and i work very similarly and well which is what we already know which is why we've agreed to work together in that we we sort of seem to wear the consultant the fractional the coaching the advisor hat when we understand it to be necessary and as long as it adds the most value and propels the 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 direction of the company the most like we we recognize that and put the right hat on when appropriate and and yeah so so it's a there maybe needs to be a better word that we need to come up with specifically for that. We create a new create a new position. It's going to be quite Robin. Be your Robin. <laughs> yeah, Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the dark I'm knight. your technical Robin. Yeah, yeah. All the yeah, all the Dark Knight or something like that. Yeah, the, the Harvey Dent or something. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: yeah. All right, man. Well, look, it was good <laughs> catching yep. up with you. Cool.
1: Um, but yeah, uh, I've got to. I've got a pro, well, we've got a pro bono. Uh, the uh, next ten minutes are going to be on when you in yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to grab a coffee, and that's our first one since offering this. So um, a
0: three three twenty p.m. coffee, dangerous man, dangerous man. Well,
1: I drink decaf, so ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm okay, I, it, but it has it has some weird placebo effect on me. So I'm just going to keep going with it. I'm not going to question it. Oh. It seems it seems to give me more energy. I'm not going to think about it too much, because otherwise it will stop working.
0: So uh, yeah, good so, yeah. man. <laughs> All right, I catch you in ten
1: then. All right, see you in ten. Right, Bye. Bye. Bye thank you for watching and or listening. Please like, subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.